Hello and welcome to the AJ on the Line podcast. This is your Canadian Grand Prix 2022 review. My name is Adam Williams and I am with Joe, but no Jimmy. It's a bit late for him. Um, <laughs> we are going to review the Canadian Grand Prix in which it rained a lot. Fernando Alonso returned to the front row for the first time in 10 years. And Lewis Hamilton returned to the podium for the first time in seven races, which for him is quite a while. Nearly as long as 10 years, it might feel. How are you doing, Joe? And how did you enjoy this weekend of Formula One? I'm good. Um, it was nice to have a race at a reasonable time. Uh, <laughs> I hadn't just gotten out of yeah. Well, I hadn't just gotten out of bed for this one, so uh, yeah, I was wide awake. Um, so I actually knew what was happening. <laughs> I guess. I guess this is the advantage of having a team which works on different shifts. Because <laughs> we <laughs> we certainly do that to a certain extent, don't we? There's there's very little overlap yeah i think we found that out when we lived together never saw you um <laughs> yeah i think I, I think i'm getting better <laughs> a little bit although yeah well i'm i'm awake now and it's it's Would almost 11 it? o'clock and that's an that's an achievement for me You've managed to get to the bedtime of about a 13 year old now so well done, mate. Slowly making progress. Um, <laughs> listen, we got to rate this race. Um, usually I don't do it, but because Jimmy's not here, um, I'm just going to imagine what Jimmy would rate it. He'd have probably given it a six. It was probably just above average. Mm. And I think it was saved by the safety car towards the end yeah. in terms of the excitement. Yeah, we'll get onto that in a few moments. But... A really intriguing race strategy-wise, and you always get that with Canada. There could be a safety car or a virtual safety car, and we had that, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, uh, I'd say about a six or a six and a half sort of thing is my rating. Um, and it is the thing with Canada is you're sort of always expecting someone to make a late lunge either into the chicane or the first turn, so you never know where the safe the next safety car is coming from. But yeah, I think. The race was good up until the safety car. You know, we were looking at sort of a pretty average race. Um, and then we got those tents last few laps. Unfortunately, Carlos didn't quite have the pace. Maybe the Ferrari just not fast enough in a straight line. But yeah, exciting nonetheless. It was gripping. I think that, that was the appropriate word there. Yeah. We knew it was just one mistake from Max would have uh, would have let Carlos in. And that's that's where that sort of came from. And the the argument was that Ferrari had better pace than Red Bull uh, in the race. It was very close. I'm, I'm not sure which way round it would have been because yeah, they were they were had an advantage in different areas. Um, and it was nice to see that the Mercedes pace wasn't a million miles away. Although that phrase never really defines it quite well because a lot of things aren't a million miles away from each other. Mm. Um, but let's not get too stuck on uh, phrases which mean nothing because we could go all day with those. Let's review the race. Now, last week we had a bit of fun in terms of you have only got 30 seconds to review the race. Now, Jimmy's not here, so I've, I've come up with a better idea along those lines, if you're ready for it, Joe. Go on then. Okay. So you can't go um or pause for too long, okay? Yep. 
and you can't repeat yourself and you've got to keep in in the order of the race okay and now if for whatever reason that does happen it goes to the other person and the person that wins this segment of the podcast is the person that gets to the end of the race first now you can't just say lights out and away we go and there was the checkered flag you've got, <laughs> you, you've, got you've got to go through don't it don't worry i get it i get it those okay so i'll let you start joe so Verstappen got off the line uh, pretty... I said, uh... <laughs> you did. And Alonso said that he was going to attack into the first corner. However, he didn't quite do that. He actually had a poor reaction time compared to what people were saying he would have. Now, Carlos Sainz made quick movement to overtake Alonso and take second place and take it to... Verstappen for the lead. Hamilton also looked to try and get past. Oh, I, I did a bit of a pause there. I'll hand it back. <laughs> I've lost where we are. Right, so it was all getting fairly professional, um, apart from George Russell, who was making his way through the field quite nicely. Couple of good moves into that hairpin. Um, and <laughs> then a virtual safety car came out because Sergio Perez broke down with what I suspect to be a gearbox failure. However, it created the opportunity for his teammate Max and his teammate's rival of last year, Lewis Hamilton, to make a cheaper pit stop where they could go into the pits while others were going slowly and get onto the fresher tyres. They did give up track position, though. Uh, Max, ca oh. <laughs> Max came out third, and I'll hand over to Joe because I said, uh... Max came out third, just behind Lewis Hamilton, who had he had a brief little battle with. No, he didn't. Lewis Hamilton also pitted. Oh, I'm getting confused with later. Adam, this is hard. <laughs> Come on, you're 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 meant to be in your prime part of the day. Yeah, but I, I'd be not. I watched courageous. the race with like nine other people. It was quite. <laughs> so. So Lewis Hamilton also pitted, uh, which meant that him and Verstappen were on on a different strategy to Sainz and George Russell and Fernando Alonso, who stayed out. However, another virtual safety car came out. I can't remember why that, that did come out. Mick Schumacher, um, unfortunately, retired. Um, it was. You've jinxed him. Oh, no, you've not predicted he would get points for a while, but he was starting in the top 10, so he should have done, shouldn't he? Should have got points, and he was on a great. He was on the right track to do it, but unfortunately for him, heartbreak on lap twenty. Uh, this brought out another virtual safety car, which meant that those who hadn't stopped the first time actually could get that cheap pit stop. And we've had a nice pause now. <laughs> <laughs> but then, not a lot really happened, other than Verstappen needing to pit again, and he came out just behind Lewis Hamilton, who kind of nudged him off the track a bit. And I'll talk about that later because I thought that was a great moment. That's a bit of a hint to one of my awards. But anyway, I've paused there. <laughs> <laughs> so again, um, we start to see those gaps emerge, but I forgot who crashed out. Yuki Tsunoda made a rookie error, even though he's not a rookie anymore. Um and Adam will take over from what happened in the final And crashed laps. at the first corner as he came out of the pit lane. Hamilton and Russell 
had also pitted at this point, but it allowed Carlos Sainz to take a pit stop from the lead. And I've got to admit, I thought that he came out back into the lead ahead of Verstappen and was going to win his first race. But I was wrong. He came out just behind Max Verstappen. And as we mentioned already, it was a tense 10 final laps showdown. Steins wasn't able to overtake Verstappen, although he came close. And Verstappen won the race from Sainz, from Hamilton. Back on the podium, George Russell managed to get fourth after a disappointing qualifying in eighth place. He was on the slicks in the wet. What was he doing, Joe? But I think I've won this competition. Yeah. I'd, I'd, you've, I'd you've like really to see point, it rotate. You've already pointed out to me how much I say, uh, but there we go. <laughs> well, I, I look forward to... Um, Oh, I've just said it too. <laughs> I've looked forward. I look forward to us rotating it with Jimmy at some point. Oh, I mean, Jimmy, the, Jimmy would be brilliant weeks. at that. But as they say in the world's end, to err uh, is human. So, uh... <laughs> and with that, we'll go to you for your biggest winner. Um, see, see what I did there? Totally unintentional. <laughs> My biggest winner was Max Verstappen, um, a fairly obvious one, I think. But once again, he's won, uh, won in a really convincing fashion, given the way he sort of resisted the pressure at the end. And more problems for his two closest title rivals, who you've got to say is Charles Leclerc, who finished fifth, dropping a load of points. And Sergio Perez, his teammate, who retired, scored nothing. Um, I think Sainz is too far back, although we have seen... Several large points gaps come down quite quickly this season, so you never know. He's only 73 points. Uh, but you'd say science is out of it for now. Um, but yeah, so Verstappen massively extending his championship lead for what must be the fourth week in a row, really. And it's six races won by Red Bull in a row. Mm-hmm which shows the run of form and dominance that they're in. And it's no wonder that Red Bull don't really want the regulations to change yeah. to make the driver's safety better mm-hmm. because they're quite happy with the way things are. I've also got to mention Max was brilliant in the wet qualifying uh, on Saturday as well. Yeah, yeah, just on a differently. I don't think we saw Charles obviously properly going for it, um, which, uh, which uh, yeah which somewhat ruined my prediction of a Ferrari pole Red Bull win. Um, but Max was, in a, Max was in a league of his own pretty much in terms of qualifying. Yeah, at times more than a second faster than anyone else. So I believe that I predicted Pierre Gasly for a podium, so oh, don't feel dear. too disheartened. <laughs> well, with his qualifying, that was never going to happen, even with the maddest of races. Although... We know how mad Canada can be, even if you're in last place. 11 years ago, today, Jensen, well, maybe not today, but Jensen Button did just that. He was last, he had two penalties, didn't he? Two drive-through penalties. Ended up in the pits six times, wasn't it? Two for penalties, four for pit stops. So... You were were always a a big JB fan, weren't you? Oh, yeah, you got to love JB. I mean... Not, I never liked him quite as much as Lewis, I'd say, but um, I think, you know, the Lewis and Jensen in those chrome Vodafone McLarens are uh, the pinnacle of an F1 team for me, even though they never actually won any championships or anything. But, 
Yeah. No, I, I, I know what you mean, but that McLaren didn't look as good as the 2008 car. No, oh, no, 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 yeah, yeah. The, uh, but just the chrome Vodafone. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. Well, having, having harked back to a decade ago, <laughs> I will, I will name my biggest winner. And it, we've mentioned him already within that harking. It's Lewis Hamilton. I think it's a really big confidence boost after being beaten up quite literally last week in Baku. He really needed a big result and to beat George Russell, to be fair. And you could see the emotion and and the the way he was using the word beautiful and and how how happy he was after that result. And it was almost a win. It, it looked like he'd won the race almost. And who knows, he could have won that race if, if Sainz and Verstappen had had their incident. But the point is, he was on the podium through no one crashing or having DNFs in front of him. He made up the points. Yes, he was fortunate that Charles and Checo had their issues, but he was there and he was within shot. Like You could see him in the background while they were having that battle at the end, uh, Sainz and, and Verstappen. Mm. Uh, so, and just before the safety car, he had the fastest lap, didn't he? He did, yeah. Um, again, really good race pace, and it it looks good for when we sort of end up on the more, the actual racetracks with the smooth surface that, yeah, that um, that maybe Mercedes are going to be there, thereabouts, um, especially if any more upgrades come. It will be intriguing. He's still in sixth place, Russell actually ahead of Carlos Sainz in fourth. So Mercedes are they're really being consistent despite their problems. Is the other two big teams that are, are not being consistent, but because they're quicker, yeah. they're still scoring the big points. Yeah, I was saying as well. Um, if Mercedes do sort their car out, they're not so far behind, and both Red Bull and Ferrari really are eating through those engine components, um, which could mean that. If we get to a, the, a stage late in the season where Mercedes are a fast car, we could see Red Bull and Ferrari getting penalties at pretty much every race. Um, so, who knows? Maybe, I mean, I'm clinging to something, but maybe Mercedes are still in this purely through their sort of point-scoring consistency in this stage of the season and not having any mechanical issues. Well, it's a long season and... Mercedes know how to win championships, mm-hmm. <laughs> usually by having a fast car. But the, in terms of operations, they they are looking good at the moment. Although the commentators' curse is a thing, so it's probably all going to go rather wrong <laughs> in Silverstone in a couple of weeks' time, knowing the way the world is. Um, who is Salt, anyway, with his law? Like, I've, I've heard of <laughs> Ohm's law, and I know who Ohm's is, but who is Sod? Anyway. Have you heard of Cole's so law? Thinly sliced carrot. I quite like it. I, I had some today. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that joke. <laughs> I don't know why I just said it. Speaking of, speaking of bad jokes... <laughs> <laughs> biggest loser i think that's a good way to describe that um I'll, I'll i'll give you mine and it's another brit it's lando norris and to be fair you could expand that to mclaren they it all seemed to 
be going wrong, really. I, I know, of course, you could point to Leclerc, but at least he got some points. Um, Perez, he fell apart a bit, but he's not there to win a championship, is he? He's there to back his teammate up. He didn't do that, but Max won anyway. Lando Norris, I think he's seventh in the championship, or he was at least at the beginning of the race. Um, obviously, that doesn't matter to him, but... He wants to be doing better than this and he got unlucky uh, with a sensor issue in his engine in qualifying and then again in the race he, he, he wasn't really going anywhere and I think he might have picked up a penalty. Uh, was it for weaving towards the end? I think perhaps. I'm anyway. not sure there were a couple of drivers that got picked up on that. I don't know whether... But but the point is he finished 17th so it doesn't yeah. really matter anyway. Given how much we rate... Lando Norris and I think you and I were were not the quickest to get on the hype train with Lando Norris I think both of us agree that he is up there or as, as one of the quickest in, on the grid so you, you kind of want to see him doing better has the momentum swung towards Daniel Ricciardo who yeah he didn't have a points finish either but he outqualified Norris again do you think it's one of those things change in momentum perhaps I don't know I'm not sure you can call it that just yet. Um, but yeah, I mean, signs are looking a bit better for Daniel Ricciardo, but if he's not going to be scoring the points, then it doesn't really matter. I'm sure he won't really care that he's beating Lando if he, if they're both finishing outside the points. So It's, it's, it's true. Sorry, I nearly went into Spanish. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> I... I sometimes speak Spanish when I'm tired and French when I'm drunk. Read into that what you want. <laughs> right. <laughs> Who was your biggest loser, Joe? Um, I'm going to say Haas. Um, seems a bit harsh considering that on Saturday they had their best ever qualifying performance in Formula One. But at the end of the day, um, teams like Haas, Alfa Romeo, Alfa Tauri, only one thing matters to them and that's picking up those points in 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th place and if you, it doesn't matter where you're going to qualify um, they just didn't capitalise on having what seemed like a really, really quick car. I th I'm particularly disappointed with the way that Kevin Magnussen approached it. Yes, it's the first lap and you really want to go for it, but I think he did get carried away going around the outside of the corner. He was never going to really... Yeah, you, just, you are never going to make an overtake on that corner. You just It's just not going to happen. And as a result, he broke his wing and he had to come into the pits. Yeah. Like, that's that's the second time those two have come together in, mm -hmm. in a matter of races. And funnily enough, Spain was a decent race for Mercedes too. So maybe <laughs> that is yeah. the answer. <laughs> Kevin Magnussen and Lewis Hamilton need to have mm. a come together. And then all becomes magic for Merck. We found the answer. What happened to Mick wasn't his fault, and it was really sad to see him lose out on what probably would have been his first point in F1. Um, but again, at the end of the day, uh, Alfa Romeo, Alfa Tauri um, and uh, Haas are going to be competing for those lower points places, and they're going to sort of swap around who's going to be fastest at certain tracks. And this was Haas's turn to ha be really fast. And they did not take advantage of it and therefore could cost them. It could and it did in the standings because um, Alfa Romeo scored quite well, didn't they? Yeah. Um, but perhaps more on that later. Moment of the weekend. Over to you, Joe. 
And I'm talking about J-O-E, not Z-H-O-U. But we will be talking about him later, possibly, but not now, <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> Much foreshadowing is occurring. Terrible transition, by the way. <laughs> but, but, what do you mean? <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, um, yeah, so my moment of the, the week was just the Max versus Carlos battle at the end. Um, absolutely fantastic driving at Max, by Max at the end of the day. Um, to withstand pressure like that. We've seen many drivers crack under that sort of pressure, thinking back to 2011 again. Um, Sebastian Vettel on the final lap had button probably not going to catch him but the pressure told he cracked on the final lap um also think back to maybe italy 2014 nico rosberg getting pressured into going off the track several times um so to keep you cool under that sort of pressure really is a skill that even top drivers give into um any slight mistake and Carlos probably would have been closest, close enough to him to really feel the benefit of that DRS and get past him, but he didn't let that happen. Held on for a great victory. Um, but it was just a really entertaining final few laps, pretty similar to what we saw in Monaco, but actually with the threat of the overtake. Yeah, good shout. With me, I was going to say Lewis and Max kind of having a quick battle as Max came out of the pit exit because it was it was a whole throwback to 2021. And if that was 2021, I suspect they would have come together, wouldn't mm. they? <laughs> <laughs> but, but they didn't. I'm actually going to pick my moment of the weekend to be qualifying yesterday because I think... That it was, was a great I, qualifying I love, a, I love a wet qualifying, yeah. how the cars are constantly improving and the track is dry. Do you go on to the drier tyres? George tried it, didn't quite pay off. It was a shame. Yeah. Um, but great driving all And it always and, opens and up that uh, that possibility of a sort of outside, really good finisher. This time it was Alonso. Um, you think about sort of Russell last year and those Williamses. Um, yeah, in Russia and in... Spa. Spa, yeah. Um, yeah. Which, you know, that a wet qualifying sort of really opens the door for that kind of thing, allows the driver's skill to shine through. So, always good to see. Yeah, definitely. And one of the drivers that did shine through got his first top 10 qualifying result, didn't they? Do you want to tell us about that person in your honourable mention, Joe? Was it Guan Yu Zhao? Yeah. Yeah, good. I was just hacking. Or Joe Guan Yu, as he, re- he likes to be referred oh, to. Oh, yeah, yeah, I forget. Because I remember in F2, they used to call him Guan Yu Zhou all the time. And now... Yes, but but Ted Kravitz asked him, and, yeah. <laughs> and now everyone... But it's just ingrained in my mind. Um, of course, he drives for, well, the, right. drives for the Sauber no, team, doesn't he? Um, but, yeah. It was such a slick transition there, and then... <laughs> I think Zhou Guan Yu uh, getting into the top ten in qualifying, really good performance for him. He's starting to get more out of that car he was being he, he wasn't probably still is being massively outshined by Valtteri Bottas the excellent driver that Valtteri Bottas is um but to get that Q3 would be really good uh Valtteri actually had pretty poor qualifying um but managed to make up for it in the race um as he has done several times this year um just seems to always really consistently be getting those points like I was talking about earlier that's what these teams need is just consistent 
eighth, ninth place finishes, and that is exactly what Valtteri Bottas is delivering week in, week out for them. Um, really it's weird good comp- with Valtteri that he doesn't do so well in wet qualifying or wet wet conditions, given that he's a Finn. You'd, you'd <laughs> expect yeah. that he'd do well, because Carlos Sainz does all right, given mm-hmm. his rallying background. Um, yeah, it's just interesting. Sorry to interrupt. But. Yeah, no, it's fun. But yeah, I just think, he, he, but he managed to get back up to eighth and again finish ahead of his teammate. Who you know we were saying his teammates having a stellar weekend for Bottas to finish ahead of him. It just shows what an outstanding driver he really is. Um, and again, eighth, ninth place finish for Alfa Romeo. That's a brilliant point haul for them. And they've they've really come along this year and and moved into the proper midfield now haven't they been after a few years of struggling yeah towards the back so that's nice to see the alfa romeo brand doing well uh because of course that that's a got a lot of racing heritage particularly in formula one mm-hmm. um, which is good speaking of racing heritage uh my honorable mention is fernando alonso and we've spoken about how he got his first front row in 10 years it was germany 2012 in which he won was it not um yes it was in in july so it's just under 10 years i'll say 10 years let's round it up why not but let's not worry about the numbers too much because he did a brilliant job in qualifying he was looking quick all weekend Mm -hmm. and i think he he was saying that it was an engine issue towards the end that meant that he couldn't push so much. And I, I don't think the strategy was optimal for him um, to end up seventh, seventh place. If he had the right strategy, probably fifth was the best that he could do. He, he would have been competing with Charles Leclerc for that. But nevertheless, uh, it was nice to see him back towards the front, showing what he still can do. While I'm talking about Fernando Alonso as my honourable mention, a little side honourable mention from both of us, I think we can agree, is the Canadian Grand Prix. It's nice to have it back for the first time since 2019. Um, AJ, on the line, line of the week. I'll go with mine first because I know that... There are a couple of contenders for you, and I'm sure it's it's all a real battle in your mind right now, which you go for, Joe. So I will tell you mine first of all, and that was from Toto Wolf. He quite often gets the AJ on the line line of the week. In fact, at the beginning of this season, I think I predicted that he would have the best line of the year. Whether it's the best line of the year, we will need to see, but he was... Uh, being asked about how the Mercedes tends to perform better on a smoother surface than a bumpy one. For example, at the hairpin in Canada, that was retarmacked and the Mercedes seemed to be going better around that, that section of the circuit. He said, maybe we need to diversify our company and buy an asphalt company and start asphalting all the tracks around mm-hmm. the world so that they're nice and smooth for when we get there. Um, and, th- and that's the way that we can do it. But quite dry uh, and quite Toto Wolf. It's exactly the sort of language and, and the way that he would think. And I wouldn't put it past him either if Mercedes do buy an asphalt company <laughs> that starts rolling out tarmac around the the world to um, just find that little bit of a, an advantage uh, 
for the Mercedes car that likes a nice smooth service so surface so that it can get down low to the ground and enjoy the grip that comes with that um, it's it was looking like Toto Wolf um, is leading a change within the regulation somewhat um, in terms of cancelling out that that porpoising slash bouncing uh, issue that comes with the cars having quite stiff suspension and then the problem of porpoising in general for driver safety do you think that any changes are going to make things better or do you think that the the teams just need to fix it themselves rather than ask the FIA to to fix it um it's hard to see but say because the sort of statement they've come out with so far is very vague uh in terms of yeah we're gonna measure the bouncing and try and do something about it um i mean because certain teams argue there's a lot of ambiguity over what causes the bouncing what type of bouncing is occurring um and sort of the extent to how you'd measure the bouncing. Um, so there's a lot of uh, issues with it. Um, I saw it described as a sticking plaster solution as well. Um, so it's, it's hard to see what they're actually going to do that's going to be effective. The, uh, the only thing that I can see happening is if cars are bouncing, then they'll be told to raise their right height. And surely that will disadvantage them in terms of mm-hmm. out and out pace. So that I can I can almost see Red Bull who don't bounce, yeah, them being advantaged by that, and Ferrari not being advantaged by that because they they go around bouncing all the time. So it's worrying, isn't it, that these great regulations that were meant to bring the cars closer, it's almost ruining the chances of the drivers being safe and healthy racing mm. to the point that we might have to spread the pack out a bit it's not what we want really so we'll have to see on that even without an intervention though it was a good race in canada we'll we'll cap it off with your aj on the line line of the week if we will joe uh might not be the best for a uh audio show but i think i'm actually going to go with the aj on the line picture and caption of the week um <laughs> i will say i will share a link for people to enjoy um but it was just a tweet that really amused me um so it's a picture of four drivers uh carlos Sainz, mick schumacher lewis hamilton and sebastian vettel uh pretty much in the colors of the hogwarts houses uh, stood around discuss- <laughs> stood around, and it's captioned the heads of each Hogwarts house meeting up to discuss how to fight Voldemort once again um, it really did tickle me that one um, I suppose we can debate who Voldemort is really is it the FIA, is it Max Verstappen, I don't know well we we know what Jimmy would say and uh, <laughs> and that's Christian <laughs> Horner <laughs> uh, do you reckon he'd go Horner or Verstappen? I'm not sure. Well, I, I also saw a tweet um, saying maturing is realising that Verstappen is not the problem, but it's Horner 
Jos Verstappen and Helmut Marko, which reminded me of a conversation that we had in a lovely beer garden on Friday. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, as I say, I don't you two give Verstappen a little bit too much stick for uh, some of the stuff he says. So... Who who do you reckon Voldemort is? I want a definitive answer, Joe. Who is who is the Voldemort of Formula One? <laughs> um, I suppose at the moment it could well be Max Verstappen, given the people that are talking, or or it could be the FIA, as I suggested earlier, or Bernie Eccleston. Yeah, Bernie Eccleston <laughs> would be a good shout because he does seem unkillable. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> a good family friend of mine, Graham, used to call him the Poison Dwarf. <laughs> that, could, that could be the title of a Harry Potter book. Harry Potter and the Poison Dwarf. <laughs> there you go. There you go, sorted. <laughs> Shout out, Graham. I, yeah, as I said, I will share the 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 link to the tweet that joe is talking about because i think it is amusing if you have a moment to go and take a look you might have already seen it who knows um you're you're knowledgeable people so you may well have done the real question is uh is uh which which hogwarts house are they each representing here well i was about to ask you that but i suppose the colors speak for themselves although i feel like lewis hamilton is more gryffindor than carlos Sainz. Mm. seb's definitely ravenclaw yeah I, I think that's that's nailed down you'd say completely. mick i'd say mick would be hufflepuff in that case yes yeah uh, he does strike me as a Hufflepuff. So that does leave signs of Slytherin. Mm, I'm not sure I see him as the sort of scheming type. But is Lewis? Uh, I mean, I mean, if you've read the book, you'd know that Slytherin House is about ambition. They're not all, but they but they do have a bit of a nasty racist side, which I'm not sure you can attribute to Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> Possibly can uh, attribute it to Carlos Sainz if you've seen some of some of his dad's tweets. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've come to a conclusion, Joe. <laughs> oh, dear. There you go. If, if you've got any different thoughts on on which driver is in which Harry Potter house, or who indeed Voldemort is in Formula One, then do leave a comment because that could be good. Listen, the Canadian Grand Prix was superb, as it tends to be but there is super silverstone in a couple of weeks time and we always look forward to that don't we joe absolutely uh one of the best tracks on the calendar uh normally a good atmosphere and the potential for so a very good race now christian horner said that they want to put things right when they go back to silverstone um we're, we're not going to drag up that too much but does christian horner or his team feature in your sensible prediction? Um, I don't think they do feature in either of my predictions, although one of my predictions probably would mean something pretty bad happening to Red Bull throughout the weekend. Um, but the sensible prediction I'm going to go for is mixed weather conditions. Classic, a bit of classic British weather. So. Ooh. Yeah, it's never really one or the other. It's either raining or really hot when it's the British Grand Prix. Yeah. Well, it's, it's early July, isn't it? So there's potent, you know, potential there. We'll see. But I think certainly there's going to be, at least in some point at the week, 
at least at some point in the weekend, bit of rain to spice things up. Um, okay. Nice shout. My sensible prediction is that we are going to see Charles Leclerc back on pole position. It's pretty sensible. I know it's boring, but <laughs> it's sensible. And I'll, I'll stay with me for my bold prediction, and that is that a Mercedes driver will win the race. Oh, well, I've gone somewhat similar for that, so, you know. Have you? Yeah. I've gone, because Go it's on, the man. only opportunity to do this, a home one, two, three. Ooh. It's the only... That's, that is incredibly bold. It is very bold, Did... it is. Um, but it's my only opportunity to do this, because I don't think any other nationality has three... Rate, uh, three uh, drivers, at least not one that's got a home Grand Prix. No, no. So right. there we go. Yeah, my only opportunity to predict this. Um, Mercedes should How at least. How long have be... you been waiting for this? <laughs> About ten minutes. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I think Mercedes should at least be faster than they, they should be on their sort of Spain pace. Um, you never know, really. Um, but I can also see McLaren being somewhat fast around there, so why not go for a British 1-2-3 at the British Grand Prix? That would be quite spectacular. I, I remember when I went in 2017 and Lewis had won the race and Jensen Button was interviewing him, but the other person on the podium interviewing him, because there were two people interviewing but on the podium there was Jensen Button and the actor for Lightning McQueen. Mm-hmm. So I what a day that was. <laughs> I shook Lewis Hamilton's hand when he came crowd surfing and I got to see my my heroes all on the podium, Lewis Hamilton, Jensen Button and Lightning McQueen. <laughs> I, you can't plan that sort of oh, stuff, dear. can you? <laughs> it, it, it was incredible. <laughs> what what would you say is your uh, favorite British Grand Prix moment? think Lewis and Valtteri had a great battle there in 2019 uh or that was out the 2019 was a really fantastic racer because I think um Leclerc and Verstappen had a fantastic battle that year didn't they they certainly did I'm surprised you're you're not thinking about 2008 well yeah of course 2008 was one of the most dominant performances I think we've ever seen in F1 by an individual driver um Unfortunately, I don't. I don't really remember it. Um, obviously, I've. I don't. I don't. Don't really remember the day. I mean, I've, I've only been eight, Adam. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't remember. I don't really remember my initial watching of it. Hmm. I definitely. Yeah. Now you've mentioned it, I'm not sure. I remember the Monaco Grand Prix 2008, which was mm. similar, but we're we're not talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> you've you've gone for the 2019 Grand Prix and it was a great race all round. It also I think it's a lot of great you, races you mentioning there. Verstappen versus Leclerc uh, having a, a, a tussle reminds me of Alonso and Vettel. Yes, I was. I nearly mentioned well. that one as well. That one was an amazing battle. So what we're basically saying is there's a good race coming up in two weeks, and it was a decent race in Canada that happened today or yesterday. Hopefully, if you're listening to it, when I plan for it, to, for this <coughs> great episode to come out, I think we'll, we'll shout out Jimmy. Shame he can't be there, but it's understandable. It is a bit late. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. Not for you, Joan, but but for the rest of the world, 20 to midnight is a pretty late time. I'm sat here thinking what well, I'm going to have for lunch. How do you do it? How do you do it? <laughs> On that, <laughs> I think it's time to say thank you very much to you, Joe. Thank you very much also to you, whether you're listening at home, at work, probably not best to... Well, some, it depends what work you're doing. Like, if you're litter picking or something, I imagine that's easier to listen to podcasts than, like, presenting TV. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I came up with two quite uh, extreme examples, but yeah, whatever you are doing, I really do appreciate you listening to this podcast, and we will continue to give you our our opinions and be passionate about the things that we love, which is quite a generic thing, but but F one is something we love and we're passionate about it, and I hope you are too. If you want to see or hear any more content, go over to ajontheline.com or follow me on Instagram at adamjw44 or TikTok at ajontheline or Twitter at aj underscore on the underscore line. And don't forget to leave a five-star review and comment below about the, the Harry Potter question that we've asked earlier because I really am interested in that. And whether you've got any other questions for Joe or myself or Jimmy, see you in a couple of weeks for Silverstone. <laughs>